We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madison. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we are sponsored by Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Go visit the brewery or order your beer at cooperagebrewing.com. They will overnight ship to anywhere in California. You have to be 21 or older, of course. And they just dropped a, another batch of Candlestick Chronicles. So the first batch sold out in nine days. If Chris, we can lose the we can lose the uh, illusion that I'm recording this separately. Um, <laughs> <I'm> here, <laughs> nine days. Candace to Chronicles sold out at Cooperage. So last year when it was sold out, it was sold out, and they're like, "Hey, wait till next season." This year they were like, "No, we're dropping another batch." I mean, I think that's how good it is, and like, you know, I have I have friends who are like beer people who are like surprised. They thought it would be kind of like a gimmick, like, oh, cool, there's like a beer, and then they like had the beer, and they're like, no, this is legitimately like one of my favorite beers. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> I, <laughs> so I similar uh, experience. Yeah, and so it like it it sold out pretty quick. Typically, when they have beer runs, they'll last like two and three weeks, and so for the first batch to go out in nine days, um, it's pretty telling, I think to to just the response and what people think about it. And then they brought it back. So um, go get it. I have no idea how long it's going to be there, how long their supply is, but typically it's two to three weeks. And like I said, last batch lasted nine days. So um, get on it if you want it. And uh, yeah, if you're a hazy IPA person, I think it's right up your street. They sold out of the beer, the cans and the kegs. So pretty big deal. Let's uh, let's talk about the 49 Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. bar for injury news at the 49ers this year and i hate that this is a subject every single week but like i don't know how you talk about the 49ers in 2022 without bringing it up so it says a lot about the bar for injuries that what kyle shanahan what kyle shanahan had to say before wednesday's practice that like yeah trent williams is going to practice nick bose is going to practice and jimmy ward's going to practice still no Traverius ward 
Still no Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, he's in concussion protocol. Ward's dealing with uh, Charverius Ward, Mooney Ward, dealing with a groin. And Samson Ebukam is in concussion. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He has an Achilles. Concussion protocol is Hufanga. But Bosa, Williams, and w- Jimmy Ward being back in practice and possibly playing on Sunday is a huge deal. Like, it couldn't be a bigger deal. I mean, we saw how valuable Nick Bosa was, and that was one of my big takeaways from that loss in Atlanta was just like, no, he's he's a game-changing player against the run and against the pass, and it's just very different when he's not out there, even though you know the Niners have pretty respectable backups in terms of like Charles Amenahu and Drake Jackson, certainly, who's dealing with a uh, who's dealing with a knee injury and he was limited in today's practice. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear, like non-quarterback Nick Bosa is the 49ers most valuable player at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. and Trent Williams is probably second given how much different the offensive line is and given how much the running game just improves when he's there, because we know how much the 49ers like to threaten the edge with the running game. So yeah, it, w- without those guys, I find it very, very unlikely that the 49ers would be able to beat the chiefs. Um, but with them, I think there's a real possibility that they can, right? Like there's the, the Niners are still one of the most talented teams in the league. They still have a good play calling head coach. Um, you know, we can debate about Kyle Shanahan and the type of season he's having. I'm, I don't think it's as bad as some people like to think it is. I think just in general, the league's kind of up and down this year, and there are a lot of mediocre teams. And given the way the season's gone for the 49ers and the injuries and some of the circumstances, it's not entirely surprising that the Niners are among that group of sort of the mediocre um, in, you know, during the first six weeks of the season. But that aside, I mean, they have a, they have a much better chance, obviously to reach their ceiling with their best players and their two best players in my estimation are Nick Bosa and Trent Williams. So they need those guys back because of how important it is for them to win in the trenches, like when they win in the trenches, more often than not, they win games. Like when they get pushed around like they did in Atlanta, obviously that's a formula for them to lose. So they need those guys in in a really substantial way, particularly having 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 your dudes is better than not having your dudes. Yep. Well I'm, said. I'm ready to say that. Yeah. I'm ready, give, to, I'm ready to go public with that take. That is a that is a electric blue take. Yeah, thank you. It's it's and it's not even because of individuals. It's not. It's a little bit or a lot bit because of individual skill, right? Like, like if Nick Bose is on the field, like he individually is going to make a couple of plays, but he also makes life easier on the rest of the defensive line because of all the focus on him up front. Trent Williams can be left on an island with an edge rusher and allows Aaron Banks to to what's the word I'm looking for? Just <laughs> I was going to say exist uh, <laughs> allows no it just it allows Aaron Banks to um, help out Jake Brendel um, the what Williams can do um, getting out in space getting into the second level like there's so many things outside of just like yeah hey he's better than Jalen Moore that that Williams helps with so 
I just their 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 defense is dramatically different with with Bosa there. Their offensive line is dramatically different with Trent Williams there. Especially if Mike McGlinchey is going to be out, they can they don't have to be worse at two spots. So I I just I'm I'm with you. I thought going in or coming out of the Falcons game, it was like man, if they roll out the same group that finished that Falcons game against Kansas City, they're going to lose by thirty. But if they're going to have Nick Bosa and they're going to have Trent Williams and if Jimmy Ward's going to be in the mix, um, I like their chances a lot better to look like the team that beat Carolina as soundly as they did and that beat the Rams as soundly as they did. Yeah, and, and we have no idea what Talano Hufanga's status is going to be given that he's in the concussion protocol. Um, so, you know, to this point, we hadn't really seen much drop off at safety with the 49ers missing Jimmy Ward, right? Like Deshaun Gibson has been pretty good, um, but they haven't really faced a team that threatens safeties in the same way the Chiefs do because the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, who's one of the best tight ends of all time and their most targeted pass catcher, I would assume. I haven't looked at those numbers, but I can't imagine any of them, anyone on that team. I'm going to getting more targets all but guarantee that I will confirm as you talk. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, if, if you don't have Talano Hufunga, then at least you can make up for it with getting Jimmy Ward back. And maybe it's something where if Hufunga doesn't play, then Gibson slides to, to strong safety and you feel a little bit better about that than you would if, um, you know, obviously given, given Gibson played, like you're not, you're probably not putting, um, Greg, uh, George, I keep calling him Greg Odom, Greg Odom, uh, George Odom at strong safety. He's not somebody that you ideally want playing on defense because you signed him to be a special teams guy. Travis but, Kelsey has more catches. I'm sorry. Travis Kelsey has more catches than the next most targeted player has targets. Yeah. So Jimmy has, Ward is going to be important if he's available on Sunday, which I think he will 41 be. 41 catches. Juju Smith-Schuster is second on the team with 40 targets. <laughs> he's really, really good, man. Kelsey, the most targeted chief. He's really, really good. Please continue. Jimmy Ward, I couldn't agree more, and I would like you to continue your point. Yeah, no, that's kind of the point. Like, it's This is the week that if if you still don't have Jimmy Ward and it's Gibson, back there that's probably you probably circle this game as the week like okay this is when the Niners safety situation without Jimmy Ward would get exposed mm-hmm. right but now with Ward back potentially like he's one of the better safeties in the league just in terms of man-to-man coverage and somebody you right. would want on a tight end and if you go back to the Super Bowl and watch one of the wrinkles that the 49ers had which I thought was really interesting is basically every third down it was just Jimmy Ward man-to-man on Kelsey in the Super yeah. Bowl. Like that's how that's how they felt like they had to win that game was by having Jimmy Ward, who they, you know, Robert Sala at the time said it and I think D'Amico Ryans would echo it that they thought Jimmy Ward is one of the best man-to-man cover guys in the league. Mm-hmm. Like regardless of position, not just safeties, but like even among corners, which is why yeah. Ward played corner when Kyle Shanahan first got here. Um so that's a big weapon for the 49ers to have when he's available and healthy um, that they've been missing. So to think about like how good the defense has been with the exception of the Falcons game, like without Jimmy Ward, like could it 
even go up another level if they do get everybody healthy, including Ward back, because you do have one of the better man-to-man cover guys in the entire league at your disposal on third down. Like, I think that's a real possibility. And if the 49ers do end up winning Sunday, I think Ward would probably have to have a really good game. And it certainly seems possible, right? Yeah, and and I think what you said there, this is contingent on, at least to me, Talanoa Hufanga playing. Because remember in that in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs, it was a lot of Tervarius Moore as the third safety. And he actually ended up having an interception. But I think if they can roll out like a three safety look with Gibson and Hufanga and then Jimmy Ward is free to follow Travis Kelsey around, then I like that a lot better than Jimmy Ward following Travis Kelsey around with Tayshawn Gibson and Tavarius Moore or George Odom cruising around in the back end. Totally that, agree. That's just dramatically, dramatically better with, if it's if it's Gibson and Hufanga uh, deep with with Ward roaming around. But it's it's so interesting because the NFL is such a week to week league and you know, if the Niners are healthier, the other, the other one is the just real quick. Um, if Mooney Ward can't play, that's even if Jimmy Ward's there and Talano Hufanga's there, if, if Mooney Ward can't play, that's, that's a really tough blow because now they're dipping into Diamador Lenore and Sam Womack. As the two outside corners, maybe Ambry Thomas, Dante Johnson, maybe Dante Johnson. They signed Kadar Holman to the practice squad. Are they activating Jason Verrett and playing him this week? Like, no, I doubt it. Yeah, I would be stunned. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they, their options. The point in saying that is their options are pretty thin. Right. But if Ward plays, okay. Like at least you have one side where you have a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback hanging out. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the Chiefs pass catchers right now, and it's like Juju has 370 yards in six games. Marquez Valdez Scantling has 258 in six games. Like Hardman has a hundred has 15 catches and 186 yards. I've not been super locked into the Chiefs, but it feels like anytime a player not named Travis Kelsey makes a play for them, it sends like a shockwave through the internet. It's yeah, like, oh, I mean, hey, there's MVS. You made a play. You know, Pat Mahomes this season is average, averaging 7.6 yards per attempt, which is like not super efficient. Like not you great. typically want to be around eight. And even, you know, like 2018, Mahomes averaged 9.6. Right. Uh, yeah. 2019, 8.3, 8.4, 7.0 four last year 7.6 this year um so just like it seems like the big plays aren't there downfield that Tyreek Hill provided you Mm -hmm. so that will be interesting like I think you know not like obviously the Chiefs are a very good offense still and if you don't have your starting corners it's a problem but it might not be as problematic as it would have been with Tyree Killer. Yeah. Yeah, but also, 
I think part of that is if you're if you're talking about holding the Chiefs to 20 or 21 or 23 or whatever. Holding them under 27 points, which I think is probably the the goal for San Francisco. If they can keep them in the 20 to 24 range, I I think they have a they have a real shot to to win. But if it's Juju Smith Schuster matched up on you know Dante Johnson, I like that a lot less than I like Juju Smith Schuster matched up on Traverius Ford. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's yeah, it yeah. could it could yeah, their pass catchers haven't been great to this point, but you could very easily see them putting plenty of offense together against Diamador Lenore, who he's been good in the slot. I just don't think he's an outside corner. Right. Um, and it's not like it's it's not like it's not like um, it's not like Marcus Mariota lit it up last week. He was thirteen of fourteen with a lot of just really quick, easy reads, and but like there was a throw to Drake London where London just bodied Diamador Lenore. And I think a player like MVS or a player like Juju Smith-Schuster would also be able to do that. Yeah, and Patrick Drake London's Holmes, also a, a very large receiver. Yeah, no, Juju's not small, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and I, isn't isn't MVS big? Yeah, MVS six four two zero six. Like okay. Um, I I just I the the bigger the bigger thing I that I'm that I'm trying to get to here is. Patrick Mahomes is the kind of quarterback that's going to take advantage of that in a way that Marcus Mariota just can't. And they're going to find a weak link and they're going to go after it every every play. And if the Niners, this is my big concern, and and you know we can get into this on on Friday's pod, but if they can't stop the run, like if if they're letting Kansas City run and get into second and five or second and six every time they're not going to get stops. Kansas City's offense is way too diverse and way too creative to to consistently get stops on second and third and short. And it's going to be a really long game. They're going to need a lot. They're going to need to win the game. They're going to need a big game from Nick Bosa. Yes. To win. Yes. And two two takeaways. At least. Two takeaways if they don't give it away. Yeah. I think they need to win the turnover margin by two. There's no, yeah, there's no, I I find, I, I, I don't know what like the probability models would say, but in my own probability model in my head. Sure. I think there is a 0% chance the 49ers win if they lose a turnover battle on Sunday. Yeah. I can't, I it's one of those things like, could they? Is there? Sure. But like, you won't, I can't draw a realistic path to that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. No Jeff Wilson fumbles that go for six the other way. Tough. No Ray Ray McLeod fumble. Ray Ray was nice. Ray Ray was pretty good in Atlanta, but two games in a row. They need it from him. Yep. All the, um, also the- to catch any deep threat, like the drop stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is like three for 14 on throws of 20 plus yards this year with three drops. Yeah, catch those passes. That, you have to, like, if, yeah. if Garoppolo is going to put them on a receiver, they have to catch it. Right. And I think <laughs> and, that's going to continue being a part of the gameplay. Right. I wonder if there was an element of like the receivers being surprised. I said, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, it's on me. Oh, no. <laughs> it's right in my hands. Wow, weird. 
Um, I don't think I, yeah. I, no, I don't think that's it. Maybe we t- we can talk about this later, but do you have any initial thoughts on the 2012 team being honored on Sunday at Levi's? Boy, I have a lot to say about that. Okay, let's talk about uh, it in the next pod. Yeah, you got no, Tyler Dunn to get to. Yeah, Tyler Dunn. I didn't even tease that at the beginning. Um, Tyler Dunn. He, he wrote a he wrote a book, uh, The Blood and Guts. It is a book about the tight end position and just kind of the evolution of it. Each chapter is about a different tight end. Uh, throughout history, there's a chapter specifically dedicated to George Kittle. We're going to talk about Kittle. We'll talk about tight ends. Uh, and we'll just talk football. Ty Dunn is a very, very smart uh, football writer. And we will uh, we will talk to him about his book, about the 49ers. Interested to get his thoughts. I think he was very bullish on Trey Lance pre-draft. I feel like he was on our podcast talking about that. I'm still bullish on Trey Lance. No, I know. But I think Ty was too. Is? I don't know. You can ask him. I will. Coming up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Ty Dunn is here. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ty Dunn. That's Dunn, D-U-N-N-E. He's the founder of Go Long. You can check that out at GoLongTD.com. But Ty, you're here today because you wrote a book about the tight end position, the blood and guts, how tight ends save football. And dude, it is so typically like in, in stuff like this where it's like a, yeah, hey, promoting a, promoting a thing. We love talking. We push the, the, the promotion to the back. But dude, I want to dive in right away to, to this book. Uh, you said you st- this. So you, you told me off air that I asked when you started this. And I was thinking this is like a project because it is in depth. You got interviews. It's Mike Ditka and, and uh, through George Kittle and, and Gronk and Tony Gonzalez, every tight end in between. I was thinking, oh man, this is a project years in the making. You started doing this in September. <laughs> That's right. That's oh right. Uh, <laughs> our uh, we we had a we had a two year old daughter who's about to turn three, and actually she would have been 
I don't, my math is all off. I'm so she might have been one still. She's going to be three here soon. Great. And our son was born in late July. So we, you know, two little kids signing a book contract. See oh. you, honey. I got to go hang out with Ben Coates and Tony Gonzalez and Mike <laughs> Dicka and Jeremy Shockey. It, it takes a, a team effort. I'll tell you that much. I've got an unbelievable wife, um, amazing parents, in-laws. It was, you know, kind of this, this zone defense throughout. Uh, but it, it was it was amazing. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world to, to sit down with Mike Dicka at his golf course, throw some drinks back with Jeremy Shockey, like talk to George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski. That, this is football. I mean, they are the uniquely qualified dudes keeping alive everything that we fell in love with way back when. So I wouldn't trade for anything. So you write, so you write, what, how did you land on, on tight end? How did, how did that position come to your head? And you're like, I need a book about the tight end. I think that George Kittle kind of put it best him him and his dad, both right. They had this unique relationship, Mm -hmm. but it is like this living and breathing organism the sport of football. It's, it's, it's unlike any other sport. You can pick up a basketball, call your buddies up and, and go play some three on three sure. at the park, right? Not everybody can just put on the pads and beat the snot out of each other <laughs> in a hit and drill. It's right. It's not for everybody. There's that attrition, you know, as early as pop Warner, is this for me or not? I mean, Tony Gonzalez went through it himself where he hated it. He, right. he, he, he wanted nothing to do with football. He quit. He's getting bullied. Um, he's afraid of his own shadow and eventually overcomes that fear within shows the football practice in, into middle school, high school, and has this moment where he locks horns with the hardest hitter on the team. And boom, he, he works through that moment. Like we all kind of had some version of that and it's special. I just feel like that version of football, like it's the inherent risk that comes with the sport isn't being, isn't being acknowledged really by like the NFL itself. They're, they're trying <laughs> to find this, this middle ground of safety that doesn't really exist in my opinion. And when we see the kind of penalties that we've seen lately and I don't know, I get it. It, it needs to be safer, but to sell it as safe just is disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Just own the violence. You know, we, we don't want anybody getting decapitated in the middle of the field, right? We, I'm not for the maiming of, right. of other humans, but hey, it's, it's not for everybody. There's risk. That's why we watch. That's why we watch. And right. I, I just kind of went on this cross country search to, hang out with the people who make it great. So I think it's, I think it's fascinating. You talk about the game changing and we've seen like a couple different things happen as the game changes and evolves. I think partly because of safety, but also just partly because of offensive evolution. And we've seen the strong safety, for example, kind of legislated out of the game. Niner fans will know like Dante Whitner, Dante Whitner, as he existed in the early 2010s, couldn't exist now. Right. Um, But then you see like the fullback, and there's a bunch of teams that don't even roster fullbacks. And when I was growing up, it was Lorenzo Neal, it was Mike Allstar, it was all these guys. If it is, is the tight end just kind of um, immune to, to being legislated out of the game and being uh, evolved out of the game? Such a great point. I, I couldn't agree more. I think so, right? But Bar none, William Floyd isn't walking through that door oh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Floyd. There, there's a reference. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I had the NFL Jams CD, and he, he had a rap verse on there in the, in the 90s. It's out there somewhere in the ether. Somebody's got to find it. I'm uh, going to. <laughs> this is my new mission. 
Please do. I, I had it as a kid. NFL jams were NFL players and hip hop artists like collaborated for songs. And he was absolutely on it. William Floyd. (laughs) Oh, that's remarkable. I'm making it my mission to find that. That's all I care about. Once I'm done, all, all the rest of my work is going to the side. Um, if you can't find it, I've got the CD somewhere. I've got it somewhere. Uh, But I'm sorry. I got to answer your question. Yeah. I think the tight end is, is from from Dicka to Kittle, it's as much as things change in football and as, as much as some positions are just eliminated and everything is kind of changing around the tight end and the tight end is evolving. Don't get me wrong, but you still have to block. You still have to run a route. You, you still have to make a big catch on third and eight with everybody watching and, and the season on the line. It's that, that really hasn't changed. And I think that's kind of why that's the position that is really keeping the sport alive. And, um, you know, what's wild is it, no outside of like Rob Gronkowski because he looked up to, to Jeremy Shockey and he idolized everything Shockey was like on the field, off the field, living hard, playing hard, partying hard, you know, just going nuts in every possible way. The tight end position more so chooses you. And, and people huh. are going to see that when they read this book. Like it, it's not like um, like Dallas Clark was, was seeking out the tight end position. It was right. He is a, a walk-on at Iowa that's more Rudy than Rudy himself, mowing the field at Kinnick Stadium and, and tearing up the side padding and then dragging it across the stadium and hiding it so le- Legend Larry, the groundskeeper, doesn't find it and he, and he doesn't get in trouble. Uh, he's selling the campus newspaper. I mean, the, the guy, is his story is unbelievable. What, what he did with his life after his mother passed away, literally in his arms, is, is an inspiration for us all. He was a linebacker. He was like six, seven string. He was terrible at linebacker, but he's a freak in the weight room. He has this indomitable drive. And it took Kirk Ferentz kind of realizing, let's take all of this stuff and put it in at tight end. Um, that happens again and again and again with so many of these guys. George Kittle you know, included, yeah. right? I mean, he's kind of a toothpick in high school who, who becomes this tight end and, and learns to love to block and pancake other humans and Iowa was basically, you're either going to love to block or you're not going to play. Right. He just made the decision to love the block. Um, so I, I think that that's part of it too. It, it's kind of like, what's your temperament? How do you attack your profession? And if you're all in, if you're a, a hard worker, if you've got all those qualities that, that are football itself, you're going to thrive at tight end. Right. That That's the thing that's most, that, that's most interesting in reading what George Kittle kind of had to say was like he had that you know he he had to make the choice to stop partying and kind of just looked at himself in the mirror and just sort of decided like I'm gonna be good at blocking now is that is that why he's unique because it the, it's a conversation all the time out in the Bay Area it's like Kittle Kelsey Darren Waller you know it, it's this it's this kind of um this constant debate of who's the best tight end and is Kittle more unique because he is such a good blocker or because of what he does as a pass catcher? I think it's that blocking. I really think as George Kittle put like violent things need to happen for a team to move the ball down the field. He one way or another. And that comes from his dad, right? His dad's a former offensive lineman. He, he thought he was raising an offensive lineman for a while. And that is really the attitude that was instilled in him at a, at a young age is to, from point A to point B, you need to really exert your will, every ounce of your strength on the opposition and just get it downfield some way, somehow, whatever, whatever that is, Th- that is rare. I mean, it, when you're talking about the best of the best tight ends today, 
nobody's blocking like George Kittle. I mean, he takes he takes pride in that. He, I think he genuinely loves taking Ricardo Allen, planting him on his back, and laughing his ass off while he does it more than any big play in the passing game. I, I really think that George he genuinely believes that and takes pride in like keeping this alive, picking up where Rob Gronkowski left off. You know, he he pulls up Rob Gronkowski's um playoff film against the LA Chargers a few years ago, the divisional playoff round. Yeah, Rob had like one catch for 20 something yards, but he says, watch that game. Watch what Rob Gronkowski does as a blocker. It's a clinic. Um, it, you know, I, I've been saying this repeatedly to people who ask me like, who's the best tight end today? It's of course it's Kelsey, right? He's putting up all these crazy numbers. Right. All right. George Kittle might finish with four catches for 48 yards, but take a look at how many rushing yards San Francisco right. had. Right. And there's a good chance Kyle Shanahan is scheming George Kittle in all of these creative ways to just unleash him on a linebacker at a, a, a weird angle to light him up and open up a lane. Um, he, he's perfect for this scheme and everything they want to do. It feels like he'd be okay if he never caught another pass. Like, yeah. It just feels like that's kind yeah. of the attitude that, that he goes into football with. I'll, I'll, so quick story. Uh, I'm at Niners Vikings divisional playoffs in 20, 2019 season. So January, 2020 and um, Vikings defensive end. Uh, his name is now escaping me. Uh, Everson Griffin is on the field before the game, just talking mad shit, just to fans, to people standing by the, just we're here. You better be scared. Da, 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 da. Niners going to win that game. The mic'd up comes out. And there's a play where George Kittle just carries him off of the screen, plants him, gets up and looks at the sideline and goes, run it again. And that was a like, <laughs> that was a moment for me with Kittle because I obviously knew he was a good blocker. But the fact that he took this player who I saw before the game was as fired up as Everson Griffin was. And this is Everson Griffin's a good player. And then watching yeah. George Kittle just pick him up and move him. It's like, oh, this isn't just cornerbacks. This isn't undersized linebackers or safeties. He's moving like star defensive ends off the field like that's that yeah. that was when i i turned the corner on like oh george kittle's the best player doing this at this position he absolutely is it's and he made the point like, he doesn't like it on a broadcast when like chris collinsworth or, or somebody will say that why are you leaving the tight end alone on an island with that dn you can't do that in today's nfl i mean he says he wants to change that default that, that, that thought process of, of course, you can't have a tight end on these freak show pass rushers. And, I mean, that, that's what makes his blocking that much more impressive. I mean, the, Dick Dicka and Mackey and Jackie Smith and all those tight ends of yesteryear were, were tough as hell. They didn't have to deal with the defensive end who's 275, you know, and, and runs a 4-4. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and has long arms, you know, straight out of a Marvel comic book. I mean, George Kittle is handling these dudes better than, than offensive tackles. Uh, I think that, uh, that that should not be taken lightly. That should absolutely be taken into consideration when we're talking about the best of the best. How does he do it? I mean, he taps into these alter egos. You know, he's all tatted up. He's got Heath Ledger, the Joker, on him. And he, he really does try to become this superhuman force of nature on the field. That The psychology of the position is so clear through a George Kittle. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was, that was my next question. It feels like... So reading about, about Mike Ditka and then going through and getting to George Kittle, obviously their skill sets are a little bit different. Uh, the size and speed and just human evolution kind of happens. The game changes. But it feels like there's just a matter-of-factness about the position where they just accept, like, yeah, I'm going to go beat someone's ass today. 
Like that's just <laughs> part of the position. Like every, like you just get indoctrinated as a tight end. And I thought that was amazing because Mike Dick was playing before, you know, my dad was born. And now here I am 32 years old watching George Kittle. And there's that, that common thread. Did you notice that as you were talking to these guys? Yeah. I think that's what gives us all hope is, is as much as things change, <laughs> you still have to kick somebody's ass. Right. I mean, you do that. I, it, 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 it might, it might be a little rough around the edges, a little callous. Oh, can we talk like that in 20? Yes, you can. Yeah, Guess right. what? It's a physical violent game and you need to decleat the man in front of you. It is still a mano a mano, two men in a phone booth as, as everybody you know, George Kittle gets that. His dad gets yeah. that. that. That's how he was raised. That's what he believes. And I think the fact that you have a full team, by and large, that's kind of what makes San Francisco so dangerous. And I know they're going through injuries now. They're 500. I pencil them into the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl in my book. Like, they get that as a team. That it's it, This is a violent game played by violent human beings. And it's – yeah, you do need some elements of finesse – uh, you do need to outsmart your opponent, but at the end of the day, it's it's you versus him. Whether it's on the offensive line, whether it's out wide with a receiver and a cornerback, it, it still comes down to the the, the elemental just aspect of the game. That, that Mike Dicka, the John Mackey, the right. Jackie Smith. You're right. That that's carried through. I mean, Mike Dicka looked at himself as the top of the food chain when he was out on the field. Like if you if you talk shit to Mike Dicka, he's gonna be coming after you. I mean, he, he got his vengeance and it was, it was clear. He, he made no bones about it. He can still remember those exact moments. You know, George Kittle, I guess, does it with a twist where, yeah, he wants to kick your ass, but before a play, and he kind of got into this in the book, he might go up to Aaron Donald or one of these fire breathing pass rushers and, and, and try to say, Hey, how's your day going? You know, great yeah. weather we have here. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, He's making like corny, strange, small talk. Um, and it kind of throws people off. It throws these D linemen off. They don't know how to handle it. And right. you kind of disarm him and, and then you just go deplete him. So he plays these mind games it, it, during the game that I think are so fascinating. Makes it even more kind of psychopathic when he then goes and hauls the defensive end over to the sideline. It's like, wait, that's a oh. nice dude. Like, that's crazy. Why is he doing that? That's crazy. <laughs> um, Completely. What what was your what was the favorite interview that that you got to do in this process? Man, I, if we're talking just straight up fun, like yeah. Jeremy Shockey has to be because that's not you know, a like a lot of. <laughs> if you're gonna hang out with Jeremy Shockey, it better be over a couple drinks. It, it you better be talking about bar fights and you know how he goes to Ireland and and, and slugs dozens upon dozens of beers and. Is still cracking business deals and making more money now than he ever did as a player. And I mean, wow. he is still competitive now as he, as he was as a player. Um, I mean, we could, we could tell J- Jeremy Shockey stories for days. I mean, he reenacts one epic bar fight. And I think he's a senior in high school at the time, but some dude throws a beer bottle at him. He avoids it like the matrix. The guy approaches him and Jeremy Shockey just beats the living hell out of him. Um, that's what he brought uh, to the U. Tight end stuff. <laughs> And they, you know what, at the U, when he's there, he, he was at the, the tip of the spear of that, of that renaissance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, they were kind of down for a few years uh, through the 90s and then into the late 90s. Jeremy Shockey was the one that's starting the fights. Jonathan Vilma, Jarrett Payton, they all said if, if a fight's breaking out, Jeremy Shockey is probably the one that lit that fuse. And it was good for the soul of the team. They got their swagger back. They just wanted to pummel teams by 30, 40, 50. The intensity of practices at the U 
I mean, we're above and beyond any game that he had in college, any game he had in the pros. Man. So then to bring that to the Giants, day one, to get in the fight he got into with Brandon Short. Um, Short loved him the next day. Jim Fossil loved it. Uh, it, it he was a, a linebacker playing the tight end position, That really the closest that the tight end position had had since Mike Dicka. So to just relive that all with Jeremy Shockey, I mean, he's, he's talking a mile a minute for like three hours. It's, it, it was like he walks into the bar and he's just hurricane and you're just trying to, you're trying to keep up. He, he's, he grabs your shoulder. He hits your thigh. It's, it's like a physical conversation when he's reenacting this all. Um, it was incredible, man. That, that, that's probably right up there. It sounds like to talk to Jeremy Shockey, you have to fight Jeremy Shockey. That's what I'm getting from that. Yeah. <laughs> intense dude i think so a, a little bit you know it's all playful it's all course, playful but that, that, that's part of the allure right he he looks like a guy who can still play too i'll, I'll say that um i want to i want to ask you a couple a couple just kind of general nfl questions you said that you're penciling the 49ers into the nfc championship game or the super bowl uh you feel that way even after after how they look through six weeks banged up as they are I think so. I think they've been here before, right? They've had injuries. They've had to deal with just not, not just injuries, but star players being out. Um, it's kind of a bummer. I, I was really looking forward to Trey Lance and everything he could do in this offense, like everybody out there. He just seemed like, you know, such a, such a mystery to this point. I mean, we haven't really seen it. I mean, now he's going to go three full years without really playing much at all. Off of a big injury, it's it's kind of sad. And I'm not even the biggest like Jimmy Garoppolo fan by, by any means. I, he's got his limitations. I fear that we saw him bring the 49ers as close as the 49ers will ever come to a Super Bowl when he had Emmanuel Sanders open for a mm-hmm. touchdown to win it. Um, but, you know, he's surrounded by talent. He's surrounded by playmakers. Pound for pound, this is the toughest team in the league for a reason. And I just can't get that third down run out of my head at Lambeau field last year where, I mean, how many teams in that situation are handing the ball off to Debo Samuel and daring like Kyle Shanahan it's diabolical. You're daring Jair Alexander to stick his bum shoulder into Debo Samuel with the game on the line. And Jair Alexander's in line for a big contract. I'm, you just why is that going through his mind that $84 million looming? Um, oh, yeah. Debo runs him over. Sure. Yeah. Man, I couldn't believe in that spot because you're talking about the third and seven at the end of the game where they pick it up to set up the, the Robbie gold field goal. I could not believe in that spot that they actually handed it to Samuel. Like he's in the back that I'm going decoy play. They're going to bust something out. They haven't done. Kittle's going to be running wide open or something like that. And then they just, Nope, here we go. It's January. It's snowing in Lambeau. Here's some old fashioned football. And yeah. it worked. It was crazy. I could not believe they did that. Ballsy, ballsy, and and that's and that's really what what real football is, right? It's nothing, no, nothing flashy. I think it was more, it, it was almost more mental than than analytics. Like, okay, is your cornerback really in this weather, these conditions, off of his injury, is he really going to be willing to throw his body into Debo Samuel? You know, one yeah. of the baddest players in the league. You know, somebody who just plays a punishing style. No, he doesn't, no want, he doesn't want anything to do with that. No chance. So no you know, smoke. Just, just, just try it. Just try it. <laughs> Who uh, have you ever, have you ever, well, and we'll, we'll get you out of here. Um, have you ever seen the NFL as um, what's the word I'm looking for as kind of close as it is right now? Because it feels like there's like the bills and the chiefs and then maybe the, the, Eagles are in there, but then it feels like every other team 
is you could tell me they missed the playoffs or they went to the Super Bowl and I just kind of buy them equally. No doubt. And I've got to, I'm sorry, my internet's a little spotty here. I, I'm pretty sure I got the gist of your question, Kyle, like just the, the, the jumbled NFL, like yeah, all this parody, all this mediocrity. What does it even mean? Yes. That's a hundred percent what I was asking. <laughs> you know, it's, you can look at it two ways, right? It's good. Everybody has a shot, but I, I kind of with Tom Brady, there's a lot of bad football out there too. Yeah. And I, six weeks in, you usually have a good idea for, you know, at least a handful of teams that could win the Super Bowl. I'm with you. It's it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and, and kind of everybody else. Um, but I, I would put San Francisco up there. Just I could be wrong, but I feel like we've seen it before. If there's a team that can kind of weather the storm that is September, October, Kyle Shanahan's kind of in that Bill Belichick category of, all right, we're just kind of figure stuff out for the first couple months of the season and, and, and get to our identity and get healthy when it's when it's the right time and, and win when it matters. So I I mean, in that division, the Cardinals are obviously a mess. Seattle isn't really planning on winning this year. They're winning more than we thought they would. And in the Los Angeles Rams, I mean, Chukwiski Tart isn't on the roster, right? So the, the, the Niners <laughs> should be good there. They should be good. Yeah. That that cut a lot of people deep. That <laughs> cut sorry. a lot of people I'm deep. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I'll, like I'll take the Niners over those Rams. Oh, it's just it's brutal, and it's just, it's just gonna get lost in not in San Francisco. Those fans aren't gonna forget. Right. They'll just kind of get lost in history, right? Where we're debating Stafford being in the Hall of Fame or not when he yeah. literally just throws up a punt. He made the throw Matthew Stafford always makes. It just didn't get caught for the first time ever. Ah, unbelievable, brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, Ty, this was super fun. Thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, the book is, uh, where's my, the book is, I want to make sure I got it right because the first time I did the intro, I got the, I got the title wrong. Uh, the blood and guts, how tight ends save football. And is that out today? This podcast is out Thursday. Came out Tuesday actually. So yes, we are hot off the press, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books, uh, the blood and guts is there waiting for you. And Hey, George Kittle's the one keeping it alive and well. So I, I think all your listeners are going to love all the crazy Kittle stories we have in there. Perfect. I I, I definitely did. Like I said, I skipped right ahead to it and uh, and check that out. Uh, super fun. Make sure you go check out that book and check out golongtd.com. Ty, thanks so much for your time, man. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it.